So we have been through five principles of growth so far. Um, the first principle we said is that we are in the world to build a relationship with God by growing and perfecting ourselves. Principle number two is we talked about the dynamic between the body and the soul pulling us in opposite directions. And that growth means that we have to come to identify ourselves increasingly with the, with, with the soul so that we are a soul that has a body. Um, principle number three is we said we have to accept responsibility for our choices and our behavior, that, that, that if we're not willing to accept that responsibility, then growth is not possible. Principle number four, we said emotions are real, but not reality, meaning no matter what emotion we are experiencing in our internal world, that there is an external reality which is objective, and we can always choose a response. And principle number five, we said last week, which is important to um, um, remember because it's connected to this week and next week, really. Is that last week we said is that we have to understand that we have unlimited potential for greatness and that we have to aspire to perfection and to actualize our potential. It means we have to have ambition to reach personal greatness. And that means that we have to have a vision um, of, our, of, of ourselves. We have to have some sort of a vision of what we would like to look like um, and the people we'd like to be. Okay, so that is what I call the ideal. Okay, that is the ideal. And I think um, I mentioned last time is that it's very, it's, it's, it's very connected to, to uh, Rosh Hashanah. Because Rosh Hashanah is really the ideal. Rosh Hashanah is, we, we are supposed to, as preparation for Rosh Hashanah, um, we are supposed to uh, commit ourselves to the goal in a general sense, the, jo- the goal of trying to live a life of growth and of striving towards uh, actualizing ourselves. And that in order to do that, we have to have a very clear idea of what we'd like to achieve and to think big and to um, have goals and aspirations that are, you know, what I would look like if I was the, the perfect me, what I, would lo- I would, what I would look like in terms of my character and what I would look like in terms of my, my observance of mitzvahs, what I would look like in terms of my, uh, my acquiring wisdom, becoming wise in the Torah. So that is really the ideal, okay? And that is what we're supposed to focus on in Rosh Hashanah. Now, we're not going to have another, not going to have another uh, shear um, until a week from now, so that's already going to be close to Yom Kippur. So really, is, what, is that this week, and the principle for this week and next week, I timed it so that they're very closely connected to Yom Kippur. So this is really what I'm saying now, is as soon as Rosh Hashanah ends, and we go into the, we'll be in the, on the third, on come Monday, come the Tzom Gedalia, the fast of Gedalia, we'll be on the, the, um, in the 10 days of Tshuva. And so really there's a shifting of, uh, which takes place. There's like a shifting of gears which takes place. Um, and so really what I'm saying now, I mean, what I'm saying now is, 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 is for the whole year also, but it's particularly appropriate um, for heading towards Yom Kippur. So if, we, if we've put in the, the effort and the time to try and develop some sort of a, a sense of the ideal of me, what I would look like, and this is the goal, and this is what I aspire to. So let's say I aspire to be a, a, a patient person. When you had done in twenty, is that what you're saying? Sorry, you're recording this. Mm. So the so the the ideal is I want to be a patient person. Let's say I aspire to be a patient person. Um, so that's that's the that's the ideal. But the the reality is that I lose my temper many times a day. Okay, or I aspire to be a person who's calm and who's focused. Um, but the reality is I'm always rushing, la- rushing around, I'm late and my stuff is everywhere and, you know, and, and I'm always a mess. So, um, so then I look at the ideal and then I take a look at where am I 
actually, vis-a-vis -vis the ideal. Where am I? So, you know, we talked about before that this is the second principle um, that we are a combination of a body and a soul. Um, and that understanding is really the beginning of self-understanding. Okay, and that self-understanding we said is, is vital for, for personal growth. Um, but that's, and that's, that's something which is common to every human being, right? Every human being is a, com a combination of body and soul. So that is the beginning of self-understanding, but that's certainly not the end, you know, is that, is that everyone is obviously different. People are, um, have different qualities and different character traits. Some people are introverts and some are extroverts. Some people are organized, some are disorganized. Some people are very, very calm. Some people are easily excitable. Okay, so if, if we're in the world, as we said, to connect to God by refining our character and perfecting ourselves, so then that means we have to learn to understand ourselves. We have to, we have, to have a very clear picture of who we are and what makes us tick and what motivates us and what is challenging for us and what are our strengths and what are our weaknesses. And, and, and that really means having an understanding of where we are um, for real. So if last week we talked about the ideal, so the principle this week really is the real, is that we have to be real. Okay, yeah, you have, the starting point is to have, have a goal. The goal is a destination. Okay, the destination is where I'm trying to get to. If I don't know where I'm trying to get, um, I, then I'm never going to get there. So I have to have a very clear understanding of what I'm, where, I'm, where am I trying to go. That's step one. But step two is, if, I, if, if I'm trying to, if, I, if, I, if I'm, uh, you know, put in the GPS, you know, where am I trying to go? I'm trying to go to Cape Town. Okay, that's, so that's good. Good start. But then I have to know about where, where am I right now? You know, where, am I starting in Bloemfontein? Am I starting in Durban? Am I starting in... Where am I starting? So I have to be able to take a look at what's called the real. Okay, what, which means I have to be able to take a, a, a good look at myself and identify and get a very clear understanding of, of what are my issues. Okay, what are my issues and what do I need to work on? And that's just as vital as the ideal. You need those, those are the two. Those are the two points. There's the there's the end point, what I'm going for, and then there's the starting point, which is where I am right now. And I have to have both of those things very very clear. So what I want to um, really focus on is why that's so hard. Okay, it's a very very difficult thing to do. Um, it's to to take to look at ourselves and and get clarity on. What are our issues and um, what all we need to work on? Is on the one hand, it's vital; it's vital to do; it's essential. On the other hand, is it's so so difficult, and people have a really really hard time with it. And the reason why people have a hard time with it, I think, is the following: when when um, I was in yeshiva at Eshatora, so Rav Nach Weinberg would um, I remember him? I specifically remember him in one of his talks, and I'm sure he said it all the time, but. Especially this time of year, especially Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur time, as he had some advice. And he said, the thing to do is to go and ask your friends. Go to your close friends and ask them to please help you out. And each of your friends should write down for you or tell you what are your, they think are your five main character flaws. Okay, what are your five main character flaws? Um, so, even though that was his advice, I never did that. I never did that. <laughs> and as far as I can remember, no one ever did that when I was in Yeshiva. I can't recall a single case of anybody ever coming to me and saying, will you do me a favor and tell me everything wrong with me? No. So the question is, why not? 
Because Rabbi Weinberg was a very wise man, and that advice seems to make sense. Meaning, you're in yeshiva with these guys, you're eating with them, okay? You're in, you share you share dorm room with them, you you're learning with them, and you know day in day out, and they, and you know each other well. So so it seems like very good advice. So you have Rabbi Weinberg telling you what seems to make a lot of sense, but nobody ever did it. So the question is, why not? Why didn't anybody ask their friends to tell them everything wrong with them? And I think it's pretty obvious, no? I mean, why did no one ever do that? Because, oh my gosh, can you imagine anything more painful? <laughs> How painful to have your friends sit there and tell you what's wrong with you. You know, listing your, okay, sure, let me help you out. Let me tell you, first of all, you're a slob, you know, being your roommate is not easy, okay? You're selfish, <laughs> you know, you, you, you eat too much, you're overweight, um, you, know, you know, who, who in the world can, can, can actually put up with, the, you know, to endure the pain of having the people, people who you care about and you care about what they think of you telling you what your faults are? Now, if you relate to what I'm saying, is that you have to realize is that we're making a mistake. We're making a mistake. Um, I think most people would feel that way. But that's because most of us make a mistake. And that mistake really is in how we relate to our issues. Okay? It's in, how, in the way that we relate to our issues and how we're really relating to ourselves. And I'm basically going to make three points. Okay? I want to make three points. So the first point is as follows. is that I remember when, when I was living in Israel and um, we had two of our, our, um, our children were born in Israel. And I can remember very clearly is that um, my wife would be in the kitchen and she'd be preparing dinner or making Shabbos and she would go around and she would take out the pot from this cupboard and the, and the ladle from this cupboard and she's, you know, running around and, and, uh, and she was, wasn't necessarily so particular about closing the cupboards behind her, closing the cupboard doors. And so I remember one of my daughters at the time who was like about a year and a half old um, and she would uh, walk around the kitchen Walk is a strong word. She was barely walking. She was. She would sort of like you know. She'd, she'd sort of like you know, waddle around the kitchen after my wife, and she would close the cupboard doors behind her. Um, which is very cute. Now, today, many many years later, is that she is in the family. She's of all of my children. She is the most organized one. She organizes the house. She, you know, she, she takes a major, uh, a major role in cleaning the house for Pesach, and she um, creates like systems and organized things, and, and uh, right. So she's a very, very organized person. Now there is a, a long-standing debate about nature versus nurture. Okay, what is it that makes us into who we are? Is it that we're born that way, or is it our environment? Now it's, it, it seems that it, that it, that both of those things play a role. You know, it's hard to say that your environment doesn't have an impact on you. Uh, it seems to me that it must be your environment has an imp impact on you. But I think as a person who has um, children, and as a person who has more than one or two children, is that it becomes clear that every child is born, born with, from the beginning, has a very particular personality and has a very um, specific set of uh, character traits. And that is there from birth, okay? And that is there from birth. And as they get older, it starts to emerge and come out. 
But it's amazing how in one family you can have you can have you can have a whole bunch of children who are raised in essentially the same circumstances in the same house with the same parents in the same way, and they're all radically different one from the other, because you're born with a certain character. Now, um, according to the Torah, when are you responsible for your actions? When when can you get in trouble? When does Hashem um, hold you responsible? When can you get punished for your actions or, or rewarded for your actions? So it's for a boy when it's bar mitzvah and for a girl when she's bas mitzvah. So 12 for a girl and 13 for a boy. Um, so... That's something else. That's in terms of up in Shemayim, okay? But, uh, but down here, okay, is that based in can hold you responsible from the age of 12 or 13. Okay, so that means, that means you know, that you wake up, the boy wakes up when he's his 13th birthday, and suddenly, you know, is that he's held responsible for what he does. So, because why? Because what happens is, is that by the time he's that age, he's, he's mature enough, um, and he knows the difference between right and wrong, and can be expected to be able to have the self-control to choose right over wrong. Um, but, you know, by the time a kid is 12 or 13 years old, the basic elements of who, of who they are are there. I mean, basically, at that, by that time, who they are is who they are. Now, obviously, they're different. You're di- hopefully, you're, you're not, you're, you're, by the time you're 20 and you're 25, and you're, you know, you're di- you, you, obviously, you change and you grow. But, but you, know, you're not, you would not expect to see a very radical difference between a 13-year-old and a 30-year-old in terms of who they are in essence. Meaning, if a kid is an introverted kid, at 13, he's not going to magically turn into an extrovert by the time he's 30. A kid who is a who is a who, who is a very organized child at the age of 13 is not going to suddenly become disorganized slob by the time when they t- who they who you are is very much set by the time at least in the, in the in the basic building blocks by the time you're that age. Okay, so if that's the age at which you're held responsible, okay, so let's say you have a 13 year old boy who's got a terrible temper, right, and he loses his temper all the time, so. By the time, so, so by the time he is 13 years old, and, and the, whatever combination of, his, of his, how he was born as well as his environment has, has, has uh, ma- made him as he is. So the question is, whose fault is it that he's got a bad temper? Whose fault is that? Do you know what? It's not his fault. It's not his fault. Why? Because whether or not it's how he was born or whether or not it's his environment, neither of those things were under his control. So all of the factors that basically went into making him who he is, or making the girl, by the time she's 12, who she is, were all factors entirely beyond their control. So now they are 12 or 13 on their bas mitzvah bar mitzvah, and suddenly they're responsible for their behavior, but it's not their fault. So whose fault is it? It's God's fault, because God is the one who, who creates us. Okay? He's the one who gives us our personality. He's the one who gives us our strengths and our weaknesses. He's the one who gives us our environment. And you know, what's the, the family we're born into, the, the city that we're born into. Right? None of those things are were our choice. Right? All these things are given to us by God. Which means that everything that we have, all of our challenges, all of our faults, all of our imperfections, is that they're not our fault. We are not responsible for having imperfect character traits. We come into the world with them. It's not our choice, and we're not responsible. Okay? We're not responsible for that. Now, that seems to contradict one of the other principles, which I said is that we have to accept that we're responsible. Right? So, so 
I'm not saying we're not responsible, but what are we responsible for? Okay, so if we're feeling bad about ourselves because oh, I have this anger issue, and or I'm lazy, or I'm you know, or I'm jealous, or whatever it is, and I'm feeling bad because I have this, I feel bad about myself. But that's not my fault. Not, I didn't choose to be to be angry. I didn't choose to be jealous. Okay, so we come into the world with our character flaws. That's we're not responsible for having character flaws. Okay, having a character flaw means you're part of the human race. Welcome to the world. Okay, so having having a character flaw is not a problem. So what are we responsible for? If we leave this world with the same character traits that we came in with, the same bad character traits, and we never did anything along the way to fix them, that we're responsible for. Okay, That we're accountable for. We're responsible for accepting our character traits and not working on them. So we don't have to feel bad about having a negative character trait. That's what we're here for. Okay, we're in the, the you know that's what we're given them, and it's not our, it's not it's, it's not our responsibility to have that we that we're, we're not supposed to be perfect. In fact, this world is not made for perfect people. Perfect people don't belong here. People are, perfect people are not born here. Perfect people have to make themselves perfect here. Okay, so don't feel bad about having having a fault about having a character flaw. That's nothing to feel bad about. That's a, it's supposed to be like that. If you're going to feel, feel bad about anything, it's that you're not doing anything about it. And so why feel bad about that? Just start doing something about it. Okay? So that's number one. And number two is really related to number one, but it's, it's a bit deeper. It's, it's even a bit deeper. Now, you know, there are people who will pay a lot of money to have someone come and criticize them. Okay, to tell them everything that they're doing wrong. Okay, to give them a, a whole list of, of what they're doing wrong and how they can improve. And and what is that person called? That person is called a consultant. Say, so in the context of business, this is something which happens all the time, and it makes a lot of sense to us, doesn't it? If you have a business and your business did okay this year, okay, let's say you made you know you made uh, five hundred thousand rand this year. Okay, that's good. You did okay. And someone comes to you and says, you know what? Okay, you, you, you did okay. But I'm telling you that, that you, if you, you're, you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. If you would change these four things, I'm telling you that your level of effectiveness as a, in your business would be multiplied exponentially. And if you would listen and change these four things, then instead of making 500,000 rand, then in, within three years, you'll be making 2 million rand a year. What are you going to tell the guy? You're going to say, how dare you criticize me? Don't tell me what to do. You're hurting my feelings. Is that what you're going to say? You're going to say, what do you mean? So great. Tell me, tell me how I can do better. Tell me how I can do better. So if that's true for our money, you know, and we're not really in the world to make money, what are we in the world to do? We're in the world to grow. We're in the world to, 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 to connect to God. So if we're in the world to grow and, and, and we have the ability to... Um, to change a few things and live a more effective life, then why wouldn't we do that? So we have to understand that God custom makes for every single person a unique collection of faults, of advantages, of strengths and weaknesses, okay? And He gives us the ability to change. And the entire package of our character flaws defines what we are in this world to fix. That is our mission in this world. So we have to understand that even to think of our character uh, our character flaws as being flaws, as being problems, as being issues, is actually not even true. It is actually these are opportunities. And our greatest struggles are, in fact, our God-given mission in the world. And these are our greatest 
challenges and our greatest um, difficulties are in fact also our greatest opportunities for personal transformation. So he constantly is, 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 is sending us the things that, he, that we need to, to challenge our, our, our negative character traits that push our buttons because this is what we're doing in the world. So if we, if we understand, if a, a businessman understands I'm here to make money and if you can tell me, if you, you know, if I understand that's what I'm doing and you can help me, I don't have to feel bad about, you know, let me just improve my business. If I have a few things I can fix and make more money, let me do it. So if I recognize I'm in the world to grow and perfect myself and connect to God, so then instead of looking at my negative characters and feeling bad about myself, let me just think, okay, these are the, this is my business. Okay. This is what I'm in the world to fix. So let me figure out ways to do it. So that is our that is our God given mission. Whatever my negative character, if I can have the self awareness to identify this, this is what I need to work on. That's amazing because now I know why I'm in the world. This is what He sent me here for. And so, really, what you know, there is it, there is an important thing to understand, um, which which is that it's it's so difficult. What so one of the greatest obstacles, which block us from being able to to put in the to put in the time to sort of sit down and think about these issues and try and get real with where we're at and what we need to, what we need to work on is, is the negativity that, that that creates in us, okay? It's the, it's the guilt, okay? And, and guilt, we have to understand the guilt is not Jewish, okay? Is that in Judaism, there is no place for guilt, despite what, you know, the, despite what people think and despite what your mother says, is that, you know, is that guilt isn't really Jewish, Guilt is a negative, debilitating emotion which focuses me on all the rotten things that I've done and tells me I can tell myself how bad I am and what a loser I am and I get depressed. And a depressed person isn't never going to grow. Okay, De- Depressed people don't grow. The Yetzirah loves it when we're depressed because depressed people cannot grow. You need a certain energy to be able to grow and to change. And, and, and being depressed and feeling guilty saps you of that energy. Now, there's a very, very important distinction to be made here because it can be easily confused with something because there, there is another emotion which is actually vital to growth and it's part of the tshuva process. And it's actually e- e- easy to get confused. And that emotion is called regret. Okay, that is called regret. And let me tell you a uh, scenario to help you um, understand the difference between guilt and regret. Okay? Imagine you have a uh, great uncle, who is fabulously wealthy, is a very, very wealthy man, but he also happens to be an incredibly eccentric person. Okay, Everyone in the family knows about this guy. Uh, uncle Max is his name, and uh, Uncle Max is a very, very eccentric guy, but he also happens to be, like, unbelievably rich. So it's one, let's say it's a Saturday night, and you get a text message um, late Saturday night from Uncle Max, and you look and it says, I want you to meet me for coffee tomorrow morning at this coffee shop. And he gives you an address. Um, so then you don't even recognize it. It seems like quite a strange address. And you put it in the Google Maps and it turns out that this is a coffee shop like a two-hour drive away. So you think, well, this is, this is mad. I mean, I don't know. Let me, you know, let me, you know so it's 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and it's two hours from here. So you, so you try and give Uncle Max a call to see what this is about. But it goes straight to message. His phone is off. Okay, so you start thinking to yourself. You know, I don't really, if you know, for me to, to, get, to get there by 8 o'clock, I have to leave by 6. I have to wake up at 5.30. I don't know. But on the other hand, Uncle Max has got quite a lot of money. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. You know, it could be interesting. Maybe it'll be worth my while. So you decide you're going to go. You decide you're going to go. 
What's the, what the heck? Why not? So you set your alarm for 5.30 in the morning, go to sleep. Next morning, you're, you're, next morning, you open your eyes and you look around the room and it seems really, really to be quite bright for 5.30 in the morning. So then you roll over and you look at your alarm clock and uh, it says it's 10 o'clock. You think, oh, I overslept. I, mi I missed it. I missed the meeting with Uncle Max. Okay, knew what you're going to do. Fine. So the next day, it's Monday and your phone rings and it's your mom. And your mom sounds very, very excited. And she says, did you hear what happened? Did you hear what happened? You said, what, what, mom? What happened? What happened? Well, great Uncle Max, he sent out a bunch of text messages to all, a whole bunch of the cousins on Saturday night telling him to go meet him at his, at his coffee shop somewhere. And, and uh, only three of the cousins showed up. He said, yeah. And each cousin who showed up, he gave him five million rand. So you go, oh... So let me ask you, whatever you're feeling right now, think, think about that. Picture yourself in that scenario. Do you feel guilty? Are you feeling guilty? Is that guilt that you're feeling? That's not guilt. You know what that is? That is regret. Guilt is, I'm such a rotten, horrible human being. I'm no good. I'm good for nothing. Okay? Regret is, oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. And to the contrary, regret is, I actually, not that I'm a loser, regret is I actually am better than that. I could have done better, I should have done better, and you know what? Next time I am going to do better. So, the, you know, when a, person, when a person is trying to grow, and a person is in the middle of the fight, dealing with their, dealing with their, dealing with yourself, you know, so how does you get the strength to change? You're struggling with whatever issue you're struggling with, with your anger, where do you get the strength to change? So you know where, the, you know where the, the, the energy to change comes from? It comes from the most powerful source that we have. And that is human emotion. Human emotion. You know, I'm sure you've, you know, everybody has heard these stories about a grandmother you know, lifting the car to save her grandchild who's pinned under the car. Like, where does a grandmother get, get the physical strength to lift up a car from? Human emotion. The most powerful source of energy that we have, okay? So regret means that I am better than this and, and I, I'm not prepared to live like this anymore. You know, you, you, can, you can be sure that the next time Uncle Max sends you a message that you're going to set three alarms to make sure you're awake and you're going to be there an hour early, you know, because regret gives you the energy, the emotional energy to change. So we can't confuse guilt with regret because guilt is very, very negative, but regret is one of the essential steps in the Truva process. Okay, so once we understand this, okay, once we understand that, number one, is that perfect people are not in the world, is that we come into the world, we are, Hashem sets it up so that we aren't perfect, that we have issues, that we have character flaws, that we have blocks, we have things we have to work on. That's what it means to be in the world, is that we are given our particular circumstances, our character, our personality, by the time we're 12 or 13, it's set. And that's, that's, that's God is setting us up to work on these things. We don't have to feel bad about having some issues, okay? There's nothing, we are supposed to have issues. Everybody, no matter how perfect they look on Facebook, everybody, everybody without exception has issues and you're not responsible for having issues. You're responsible for accepting your issues and not working on them. That's number one. Number two is recognize, is that our, like the businessman, is that our issues are actually our greatest opportunities. They are a mission in the world. That's what we're here for. And those, those when we identify our issues, we now have identified our opportunity 
for personal transformation. And we have to know is that if you, once you're feeling guilt, is that's coming from the Yitzhahara. Guilt is negative, it is destructive, it has nothing to do with tshuva, and has nothing to do with growth. Regret is what we need to do in order to grow. Regret is to develop a passionate hatred of our negative character traits. Because once I have that, that passion, that emotion, as I'm, I can't live like this anymore. I cannot deal with my laziness anymore. I'm not prepared to live with my anger anymore because it's messing up my life and I don't want it. I want to be different. Okay, that is not, I'm such a loser. That is, I have so much potential for greatness. I'm not prepared to accept the situation as it is anymore. And once we understand these things and we stop beating ourselves up, then we can take an honest look at ourselves without the pain, without the guilt. Okay, and, and that's what we're here for. So, you know, God gives us an incredible gift. And that is the gift of self-awareness. And so, you know, and especially, like I said, any time of year, this is, this, is, this, is, this is something which we have to know and to do. But, it, but the, the opportunity now is so great. Particularly when once we come out of Rosh Hashanah and we're heading towards Yom, Yom Kippur, is we have to find some time to turn off the phone, is to, is, to, is, to, is to sit down by ourselves and to put some time into thinking about getting an, and getting an understanding of who I am and what are my issues and what do I need to, to work on. And, and you know... I guess we can talk next time about a little bit more about, about how to do that because that's how we get ready for Yom Kippur. But it's, it's really being able to, I think, get rid of, of the negativity, the guilt, the pain involved, which makes it almost impossible. It makes it so, so difficult because if something is painful, we don't want to do it. If something is painful, as we'll, as we'll, as we'll find a million excuses and a million other things to do. So I'm just saying we need to make a shift in our perspective. So that, that's, that's the principle we're saying now is that is that we need to be real with ourselves. We have to be real where we're holding and what we need to work on. But we can't be real if we're feeling that it's, it's too painful to be real because I feel so bad about myself if I'm real. So what I'm saying is that there's no reason to feel bad about ourselves, is that we're supposed to have negative character traits. That is called being part of the human race. That is what we're doing here, and that's our, that's our job in the world. So we need to drop the negativity, and we have to understand that really... Um, what we need to do is just identify the issues and deal with them. Because these are the things which are standing between, between you, who you, are, who, who you are now, and who you could be. Between you and, your, and the ideal you. Between you and your personal greatness. These are the things that are blocking you. So we have to be able to identify these things without the pain, without the guilt, to take an honest look at ourselves so that we can actually then have the opportunity to understand where we're really at, where we're holding, and only then... Can we make, make, make a plan, how to, which is next week, to start moving from where we are now towards the ideal?